What's up, everyone? This is episode number 80 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, well, um, I guess just like clockwork, we've had another great week in the NBA bubble. We've had another great week in the hobby. Um, I'm really excited about the conversation I get to play for you guys today. But before we get there, before we get to the main segment, I want to take some time real quick to talk about another unexpected mail day. So about a week ago, I got a message from an Instagram user named Card Killer. And he said that he wanted to send me a hobby newsletter. Well, we've interacted a bit in the past. And for those of you that don't know him, he likes to take existing cards and modify them in all sorts of artistic, creative ways. And when I say that, I feel like I'm underselling what he does. His work is incredible. In fact, if you go back to the last listener forum that I did, um, one of the guys that I had on here, G, The Lucky Show, he talked quite a bit about an awesome Luca custom that Card Killer made for him. So anyway, I, I get this piece of mail from Card Killer, and it's clearly not a newsletter. It's shaped like a card, and it's heavy. So I, I rip into the envelope, and out pops this absolutely stunning custom Jeff Foster card. And I, I posted a picture of it on my profile on Wednesday, but he took a 2004 Bowman Chrome Gold Refractor and use that as his canvas. And there's kind of like a, a ribbon-like effect, has kind of a stained glass feel to the whole thing. And then of course he's added his custom signature and, and gold 1-1 stamp on there. Um, you know, I work really hard on this show to pair topics and cards with words in a way that does them justice. Well, this card, you're just gonna have to look at the picture. With all of that being said, though, there was another dimension to this card that Card Killer didn't know about that made the whole thing even cooler. And that's what I want to tell on here. And he hasn't heard this full story yet. So last year, I was shopping for a copy of the 2004 Bowman Chrome Gold Refractor that he used as his source card. This card's numbered to 50. And they're not all that easy to find. And, you know, truth be told, a lot of players, even though Jeff Foster is the GOAT, a lot of players like him get stuck in dollar boxes or junk boxes and rarely get listed on eBay. Um, I finally found one on eBay in, in December of 2019. It felt like it was a bit overpriced, though. So, you know, I looked at this listing many times deciding whether I should buy it. You know, I kept going back and forth. Well, it's rare. Yeah, but it's, you know, costs a little more than I want to pay. There's 50 of them. Maybe I should be patient. You guys know that game, the back and forth. Well, I looked at it enough times that I even remembered that the serial number, um, it was in the title. The serial number was 34 of 50. And I finally bought it, finally caved and bought it. And when I got it in the mail, it was super scratched up. And those of you that have had a mail day like this, you know it's just a bummer. You know it's just deflating. Um, you know, you wait for this card to come, you know, you, you track it or whatever, you, there's the anticipation, you open it, and it's not as expected. And I know not every card is going to come Jim meant, but this one was horrible. Um, and the scratches weren't noted in the listing at all. So 
uh, I actually returned the card and bought another copy down the road. And even after all of that, I've seen that exact copy pop up in my Jeff Foster search numerous times, listed by the same seller. But I didn't really watch it all that close because I, like I said, I'd bought another and I didn't need it. Well, fast forward to this week and I get this package from Card Killer that I described earlier. I take the card out, it's sitting on my desk and I'm just examining this work of art. Well, after a little while, you know, I'm looking all over the front of this thing. I flip it over and I see the serial number, 34 of 50. Someone finally grabbed that scratched up copy and it was only fitting. Here, this exact copy, okay, not just not any of the 50, the exact one that showed up to my house last December, it was all scratched up. I had to open the return. The whole experience bummed me out. Well, here I am nine months later holding this same card. It's been all over the United States, except now it's it's been kind of um, reincarnated as a piece of art. And it was part of a surprise mail day that brought me a lot of joy. And that was his intention to begin with. He, he just wanted to do something nice for me. He wrote me a nice note. Um, and then it was just so fitting that there was this backstory to the card that he didn't know about. Uh, I had to share that with you guys. I thought that was so cool. Um, and it was all because of Card Killer's generosity. So Card Killer, thank you. You know, I know this was way more than just buying a card and sending it to me. I know you put hours of work into this thing as well, and that means so much. So once again, thank you. All right, well, before I move into today's segment, I want to take a quick moment to talk once again about Fanatics. And as you guys know, there are some costs that go into running a podcast. So I have signed up for the Fanatics affiliate program. Several of you have already purchased items using my link. Thank you. That means a lot to me that you would support the show in this way. I mentioned before that I bought some Pacers masks for work. Whatever NBA gear you're looking for, there's a good chance that Fanatics has it. And those of you that are baseball collectors, first off, thanks for listening. But I also believe that right now they're selling 2020 Tops box sets too, so you might want to look at that. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, it's simple. Go to www.tinyurl.com WMPod and click the Fanatics logo at the top. Shop as planned, and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. Okay, about two and a half months ago, I released episode 70, where I chatted with a collector named Tim Gallagher. And among other things, we talked about some of the highs and lows of his 50-plus year collecting journey. I enjoyed that one a lot. I got a lot of good feedback on it as well. So I thought, you know what? Let's have Tim back on. I've been sitting on this one for a little while now. It's it's not super time sensitive. I probably could have held it off for later, but you know what? I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, guys. So I'm back here with Tim today. Um, I got the chance to chat with Tim about all of his collecting history, and you guys were very receptive to that. You guys were very interested in that. Um, so I, I figured I'd have him back on to talk about some of his favorite cards. Um, also, I, I talked about the fact that he traded me the last card that I needed for my 1972 set. So 
Uh, Tim, I, you know, I know I've thanked you already. I will continue to thank you for that. Um, that was a very special accomplishment for me and, and I couldn't have done that without you. So, um, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, Kyle. Thankfully, healthy and making our way through the summer and trying to enjoy summertime in San Diego, which is a great place to be and trips to the beach and that type of thing. So, uh, and again, using kind of still this shelter in place mode, uh, obviously it's scaled back a little bit to how it was, but you know, investing time and interest in my collection. So having these kind of conversations with you are, are really enjoyable and uh, also happy to help you complete that 72 set. I, I totally appreciate a mission like that. And, uh, and actually a little spoiler alert, there's a couple cards from, from your set there, that 72 set in, in my all time favorites, not, not coincidentally, I don't think, uh, but that was a really cool set. And, and I'll, I'll talk about why the players that I chose are in it and uh, we'll, we'll get to that soon, but uh, yeah, thanks for asking and uh, everything's going well. Yeah, the good thing too is that um, you know, even though our our uh, in person autograph chases have pretty much trailed off, the the mail is socially distanced, so we're good there. I I just got a return not too long ago from Bobby Knight, which was the first time he's actually signed for me, so I was pretty excited about that. Are you still uh, still going strong with the mail? I am. I, I my responses have been a little slow, and and I've heard from some other people that I've sent things to not necessarily requesting autographs that things are not getting there in, in the time that I would assume. So I'm not sure uh, the mail system may be slowing it down a little bit, but I am getting some things back and kind of, as you said, reinvesting some time in mailing out things. And, you know, that that's always a treat as well. And, you know, kind of a good way to bridge the gap until in-person autographs are possible again. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into your top 10 here. Um, so just to give everyone a little bit of context, um, you know, you got, you probably had, what, 20,000 pieces to choose from. So narrowing that down to 10 was was no easy task. So we're going to talk through those today. Uh, Tim's actually going to do the majority of the talking because they are his cards and it is his list. But I'm going to try and interject in here and there, um, maybe to give some background about a set or to, to fill in some details um, that I think you guys might need. So uh, let's jump right in. Tim, um, let's let's hear your number 10. Sure. And I'll preface this by saying it's a pretty eclectic mix in terms of the history of, of cards and, and definitely skewed more toward uh, historical cards. But uh, I think there'll all be ones that listeners will enjoy and, and taking a look at. So number 10 on my countdown is the 1961 Fleer Oscar Robertson. So that's his rookie card and uh, obviously a, a pretty well-known card in the hobby. Uh, I, I got a really clean version of it, although the, the cut is a little bit off, but um, part of me kind of almost likes the fact that it's perfectly imperfect <laughs> if that right. makes sense, right? Because it kind of captures the essence of collecting, right? You, it may be a player that is one of your all-time favorites, but you know the the cut you get in the pack may, may not have made it through the perfect uh, tops uh, quality control system, but uh, or Fleer in this case, but um, but it's a really sharp card, Oscar's rookie card that. Uh, he, he's kind of a tough autograph, uh, although he is 
you know, been, he's been good on and off throughout his career. And this one I, I got in person when he was at an NCAA game in Cincinnati, a NCAA tournament game. So he was pretty visible. I think as he's aging, he's not out as much as he was. But at University of Cincinnati games or if there were NCAA tournament games being played in Cincinnati, uh, of course, I'd have items of, of the big O with me just in case I'd encounter him. And it, it was not quite to the Larry Bird level of uh, – uh, of fear <laughs> approaching him, but you know, he, he was not the easiest guy to approach, but uh, I was lucky to get him uh, on this card with a nice uh, big O in, in blue Sharpie. So um, w- one other quick little trivia about Oscar is there's only three players in the history of the NBA that averaged 30 or more points a game in their rookie season. So this kind of ties in with his rookie card. And so Oscar is obviously one of them. Wilt is the other one. And the one that kind of stumps everybody, uh, and he's actually on this, all three of these guys are on this clear set, uh, interestingly enough. But the third one is a guy named Walt Bellamy. So Okay, Hoosier. That's a good trivia question to spring on uh, on people because um, you, you don't typically get Walt Bellamy even uh, after uh, you give them clues and, and a long list of guesses. So uh, anyway, a little bit of trivia there. And and then the other thing with, with Big O is, uh, other than Michael Jordan, I, I personally think he's the best all-around player to have ever played. You know, obviously maybe not as dominant, doesn't have all the championship rings, but certainly you know, younger fans you know, see his name come up a lot now with the, the reference to the triple-doubles, and he was the first guy to average a triple-double in a season and that kind of thing. So so just the, uh, the stature of a player like Oscar and this uh, rookie card and – uh, plus, it has the Cincinnati Royals logo on it, and that was the first NBA team I followed, the first NBA games I went to. And so uh, that's another aspect of this card that I really like. Yeah, and, and I've seen a picture um, that you sent me of that card, and um, it you, know, you, you talked about how it's perfectly imperfect. It is a very um, sharp card still compared to a lot of the 61s I've seen. I mean, I, my 61 Wilt, I think it has a big crease down the middle, um, whereas yours is more just the cut. But, you know, let's face it, a, a lot of the 61 Fleer were miscut. So um, you've got a really nice looking copy. Um, I also found it interesting that he signed Big O, which um, for, you know, for my background has been the, the autograph that he would give out through the mail. Um, so I, you know, I has, have you ever got him to sign a full name in person in a, uh, in a free situation? Well, uh, he's done some signings at final fours where he will sign his full name. So I do have a few that do say Oscar Robertson, but back in the day, which he was pretty inconsistent responding through the mail back in the late sixties, early seventies, but he'd answer occasionally, but it was always big O. Um, so the first time I ever got a, an Oscar Robertson fully uh, written out was, uh, I believe it was in St. Louis at a final four. And, you know, he was doing a signing at some uh, department store or something like that, where you'd wait in line and he'd sign. And he he had photos, you know, a stack of them that he would sign and, and give you at the time and, and then would sign an item or two as long as you didn't over uh, overdo it. Uh, so that's the the only times I've gotten him where he's written that out. I think on private signings and things like that, uh, I've seen that he's done that. And I've gotten a couple of his books signed over the years and, mm-hmm. uh, and he'll give you a full signature on that. But 
Yeah, I, I generally prefer that someone doesn't just write their nickname. Uh, but with certain guys like Big O, it's I mean the Big O, right? That's very yeah. And I, I, I kind of like it for as simple as it is, though. He he does uh, it. It looks distinct still. I like that quality about it. Yeah, um, pretty iconic. So uh, that that's number ten on my list. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to number nine. What you got for your number nine? So number nine is the nineteen seventy two Connie Hawkins, which okay. um, I've always been intrigued by Connie Hawkins. And when I was a kid, uh, a book about Connie Hawkins called Foul, which I think has been out of print, but I think you can still find it on Amazon. And if any listeners want to really get a good history of kind of New York City basketball. Um, the ABA, late 60s and early 70s NBA. Uh, It's an interesting book to read. And um, it was a paperback that I kind of read multiple times when I was a kid. It just intrigued me about kind of the mystique of New York City playground players and his journey to finally get to the NBA. Um, So, and I always thought of Connie Hawkins as as kind of in the evolution of players uh, that included probably Elgin Baylor to start. So guys that sort of played above the rim and with, when with some, some real flair and athleticism, you know, I think the Hawk was kind of next in line and, and then Dr. J kind of took the baton from him and, you know, eventually got handed over to Michael Jordan and then some of the high flyers that have followed him. But uh, the other thing about Connie Hawkins is, um, you know, I, I thought his autograph was always pretty cool. And I know later in his life, and he since has passed away, unfortunately, but you know, it was always a pretty good signer. I know he's, he changed it just to, to Hawk number 42, which kind of like we just talked about with Oscar. <laughs> yeah, but, that's that's <laughs> actually the, the version I got was the Hawk 42 when I sent to him. Right. But um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like the colors of this card as well. And and as we've talked about on the 72 set, this was one of the uh, one of the cards where it says Phoenix. So it's not a backwards jersey. And, you know, mm-hmm. so just the you know, legitimacy of uh, the pose and the colors of the card, just the, it all kind of worked together for me to, um, you know, and again, he was kind of one of those almost mystical players uh, of my childhood as he made his way to the NBA after be- you know, he was part of a, a scandal that he and Roger Brown from from your Pacers were, were included in that uh, it took a while for them to get their names cleared and actually um, move on. And, and the Hawk finally did get to the NBA but and had some great seasons, but he was a little bit past his prime. Uh, well, I think, um, you know, I think his his year with the the Pipers in the ABA was largely forgotten, too. And you talked about uh, with your last card what what Oscar did as a rookie, but I mean, man, look at what Connie did as a rookie too. And it was, you know, pretty incredible. I think he won the MVP that year, right? Did he win finals MVP? I believe or, he did. Playoff MVP, I guess is what they called it at the time. Right. Yeah. And thank, you know, again, thank goodness for the ABA because it gave players like him an opportunity. You know, if the ABA had not come into an existence and the NBA had kind of blackballed him, um, you know, I, I guess he would have continued playing for the Globetrotters, or I, I don't know, you know what his fate as a player would have been. Uh, probably not the Hall of Fame, which is where he is now. So right. there, there's a lot of layers to the Connie Hawkins story. And uh, and so the combination of that, and and I always thought this card was really cool with his Fu Manchu and 
you know, he, he just had a, a certain mystique to him too. I got to see him play in person a couple of times and um, yeah. And, and he was always a really uh, good signer as well. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I appreciate a good 1972 card. Um, and that's one that, um, like you said, the color really pops on that one too. I like that. Um, all right. Number eight. Which yeah, number eight is one of my, uh, my heroes as a, as a child and one of the people when I first started following the game just really latched onto. And as I was shooting hoops in my driveway, I, uh, you know, I wanted to be like Jerry West. Right. So mm-hmm. um, kind of like that book on Connie Hawkins uh, foul, there was a, a book, a paperback at the time called Mr. Clutch, the Jerry West story by Bill Libby. And so that was kind of my other basketball Bible along with the Connie Hawkins book that, you know, reading about Jerry West's life and, and obviously He's still a key figure in the game uh, as an executive with the Clippers, but um, just growing up in a very small town in West Virginia and his ascent to greatness as a player. Um, and so the 71 West card is the one I chose. He's, he's obviously on a number of cards, but this one, I, I even though his jersey's on backwards, I kind of like the, the color of the, the Laker gold uniforms and um, – that pink, that bright, it's not just pink. It is bright pink. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, a good card to get signed and, and mine's in pretty clean shape. And as you can see, uh, if the listeners look at the images, this one is in ballpoint pen, which, so I got that, you know, through the mail at the time. And so it, it kind of represents some of the early days of my collecting and getting things through the mail. And plus with Jerry West, he has such a unique, signature you know it's it's kind of part of his brand I don't know if he consciously uh, thinks that I know there's been some criticism of some of today's players where they just give you a scribble or 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 worse <laughs> and mm-hmm. guys like Michael Jordan their signature was part of their brand right and um, and there was some style to it and I don't know if Jerry West he's such a humble low-key guy I don't know if he consciously practiced coming up with a cool signature like this, but I just always thought the way he signs his name is, is really unique. And, you know, there's just really no one that's ever signed their name like this. Yeah. It it seems like it would be simple, um, but consistent and it still looks good. And it's not like, um, well, Cam Reddish right now, I think is signing a, just a single line. So, and, and I think we, we probably touched on that in the previous episode, but, um, just a really good looking signature and consistent, which I, I like that aspect of it a lot too. Very consistent overall. Right. All right. Um, what you got for number seven? So number seven, uh, this is one of the more current cards. Uh, you know, I know um, a lot of my collecting uh, has been more historical cards, but I have the, the Steph Curry 2008 sports illustrated for kids card in this collection. So I know the card's not necessarily particularly rare, but it's the first card of Steph, as far as I know. I mean, maybe you can correct me of that. Uh, obviously, it's not a mainstream set per se, but um, well, it's yeah, it's the first one that I know of, and um, I mean that that um, some other players have had some Sports Illustrated cards. So even though it's you, you know it's not technically mainstream in a way, it kind of is because LeBron's. Sports Illustrated card, um, same thing, was not very rare, but still desirable, right? It's still one that people, you know, I could I could talk about that card, and it's one that a lot of people would picture, uh, and, you know, the perforation around the edges and so on. 
Right. And I have a couple of other the Sports Illustrated for Kids cards signed, including Durant and Kevin Love, Adam Morrison. So uh, I always, you know, kind of kept an eye out for when there were basketball players and especially, you know, college era players. So, you know, all these are cards from when they were in either college or even high school. Um, so um, just kind of a unique set. And then with Steph, you know, he, I, I'd say of the current players is, is my favorite just because I think he, he's kind of a transformational type player. Although when this card came out and he was at Davidson, I dropped it in the mail to him right away. You know, as soon as I got it, it that day, I, you know, I put it in an envelope and sent it to him, Kara Davidson, uh, just trying to get ahead of uh, others that might be trying. He had answered me in the mail before and signed an index card. But, um, you know, again, he still hadn't quite blown up uh obviously to the level that he uh, that he did, especially after a few years in the NBA. Um, obviously one of the great college players though. But for me, he just was such a transformational player in terms of the way he can shoot the ball and, and space the floor, uh, as well as his ball handling and passing uh, wizardry. Uh, really, other than maybe Nash or Pistol Pete, you know, I, I hadn't really seen anyone consistently integrate that into their game uh, the way he had, you know, at, at such a high level. I mean, I guess there's other guys like Jason Williams and uh, a few others, but I just always considered Steph a, a transformational player and, um, and just kind of liked what he accomplished at Davidson as, you know, a quote unquote mid-major player. And, and then obviously what his career has become and, you know, and he's maintained a, a relatively good uh, attitude about signing, even with his fame. You know, I, I, I haven't gotten him uh, in quite a few years. I, I saw him once at the Vegas Summer League at the Warriors Hotel. He wasn't playing, but he was there to support the team. And and he definitely has a, a rock star, star aura about him, but but he was pleasant and signed. And obviously you see a lot of times of him signing a few in the tunnel as he's uh, going back into the locker room after his pregame workout. So just like everything about Steph and his, his attitude and his game. And so – kind of something to represent the current day players and, and one of my favorites. Yeah. And I've, I've seen, um, he still seems pretty good at the golf tournaments that he goes to. I, I see him signing a lot there. Um, and you talked about how he had a, just a combination of skill sets and I, and I grew up, um, you know, obviously a different, we talked about this before a different era than you did in basketball. And, uh, for me, it was watching guys like Reggie Miller and then later on, Rip Hamilton, Ray Allen, uh, those kind of guys um, who were all great shooters. And uh, but like Reggie relied quite a bit on screens. You know, they Reggie was running people to death around the court where, you know, Steph does that, too. But Steph is also an incredible ball handler, which Reggie was not ever on that level. And um, so just to to see the way he's changed the game, it's been really enjoyable. And uh, I'm glad that you have that that sports illustrated card in your collection to reflect that. That's pretty awesome just to get the changes of, of eras represented so far with Oscar and, and step. Um, all right, let's go to number six. Well, for number six, I have a, an 86 Jordan, although it's not the one that most people would think it's the 86 Jordan star company card, which this is my favorite of, of all the Jordan cards. And, you know, the star company set, you know, we talked a little bit about that when you asked me about just the history of my collection. So I wanted to include one in, in this 
top 10 just because it represented kind of a, an interesting era when those were the only cards being produced of NBA players, which is, again, really strange when you think of the popularity of the game today. Um, but but I like the, the style and design of the Star Company cards. And, and this particular image of Jordan in particular, where he's wearing the, the Bulls road red, you know, the, the rookie jersey, uh, just the pose. And, you know, he signed it almost in the sweet spot. But um, just, you know, just love the card and, um, and, and the image even more than his true rookie. Or, I mean, obviously the 86 Fleer is, is an iconic card. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's a cool card as well. But th- this one, just something about it. Uh, I just like everything about the pose of the coloring and, and the signature. Yeah, um, it's. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at some of the pictures that you sent me. If if you would have said 86 Jordan, like you said, it's definitely not the one I I would have thought of. And then even when you said star Michael Jordan, this is not one that I I see a lot of. Um, and that's that's good. I like different stuff. So um, I'm glad you got to have an MJ item in here. So you got a good one in there. Very good. Um, yeah. All right, number five. Yeah, number five. Uh, so a, a couple of these guys now in the top five, I have a, a personal connection to, which is uh, something I, I really enjoy. But um, for number five, I have the 88 Fleer John Paxson card. Okay. So uh, I grew up with John and his brother Jim and, and their family in the Dayton area. You know, grew up playing ball with those guys in the driveway and playground courts, played for the same high school coach. Um, so there's a lot of cards of John and, and obviously – his time with the Bulls and Jordan uh, is is probably the most notable and people that watch the last dance, you know, John got some great acknowledgement in that and, and well-deserved. He was a key player in uh, the first three championships and uh, hit some very big shots, but uh, of the cards of him, kind of like the Jordan uh, red road Jersey that uh, on the 86 star card, we just talked about uh, John's driving to his left against magic at the forum uh, magic and the Laker gold, of course. So uh, I just like the image of the card and, you know, going against one of the basketball icons like Mike Magic Johnson. So here's a guy I grew up playing with in the driveway, right? That, that took his game to the ultimate highest levels. And the other thing I like about this card is, is a little more subtle, but John was so fundamental, you know, even when he was a young kid, just, you know, developing his left hand, being able you know, almost to a level of being ambidextrous, you know, certainly with layups and finishing around the basket and passing the ball. So the fact that he's going to his left and taking it against magic, uh, I just love the image of the card. And, and then John has a, a pretty cool, unique signature as well in terms of uh, how he signed it and where he signed it. So um, John, I'm you know very proud to say he's a, a lifelong friend and you know, was so proud of him to, what he accomplished at the, at the game. And it still was kind of surreal, you know, when I see cards of these guys I grew up with, right. And we all dreamed of achieving things on the court or having basketball cards made of us. And it's pretty cool that uh, someone so close to me was able to accomplish that. So you, you talked about playing him in, in the driveway, you know, and I'm, I'm going to guess that magic Johnson was a little bit tougher of a matchup for him. <laughs> as pictured in this card here. Do you have any bragging rights over John though? No, no, not at all, actually. Um, well, he was a few years younger than me. So um, uh, although 
a real quick story. I remember coming home from my freshman year of college, and then John, I believe, was going to going to be then a junior in high school. And so I hadn't seen it. You know, I'd seen some of their games when I'd come home from college or something. Some of their high school games obviously followed the school because I had played there, and it was a big deal in the community. But um, we played. We were playing some pickup games in a friend Jack Zimmerman's driveway, and Jack had just is was my grade. He was good enough to eventually play for Maccabi Tel Aviv overseas. Was a Hall of Fame player at Dayton. But he had just finished his freshman year starting at Dayton uh, and had a really good freshman year as a guard. And John, going to be just a junior in high school, just totally picked Jack apart in a, in a pickup game. And so that's when the light bulb came on. I mean, we all knew John's legacy and talent, but that's when it really struck me that the sky's the limit for this guy. Because here he's still a high school kid that's barely played much varsity and he's dominating a guy who was a, a division one starter uh, that just had a great freshman year at Dayton. So um, yeah, so definitely never had any bragging rights on him on the court. <laughs> and I'll make sure, you know, this is when one of those cards you got to see the, just how the signature, you know, just really fits on it. Well, it's not one that, even though I know that set, it's not one that I, I could even remember what it looked like uh, for those of you that are listening you know, that's your same set that has your Scottie Pippen rookie or your Reggie Miller rookie. A lot of, uh, at least I know on the Reggie Millers, you know, they're almost all off-centered. Uh, this one looks really good, and uh, I'll make sure and get those. Like I said before, I'll make sure and get all of those on my social media, my Instagram, and my Twitter so you can see those. Um, okay, number four. Yeah, number four, well, we're going to keep it all in the family. So John's older brother, Jim who's also a lifelong friend of mine, of course. Uh, I chose his 1990 NBA hoops card. And like John, Jim was on a lot of cards as well. Uh, so, several with the Blazers early in his career where he was a two-time NBA All-Star. But then when he was traded to the Celtics, obviously one of the iconic franchises. And um, so this particular card I just love because of, A, it's in the Boston Garden, in the parquet floor. And B, everyone else in the image behind him, so he's going in for a, a breakaway layup, but everyone in the image behind him is a Hall of Famer, both guys on the Celtics and the Jazz. So, again, that kind of epitomized, again, like John, here's someone I played ball with in the driveway, grew up with, that got to the very highest level, the pinnacle of what you could achieve as a player. And so – um, so I, I really like that card and, and, and all it represents in terms of just the Celtics and Boston Garden and, and again, that uh, collection of legends behind him. Yeah, and, and those of you that are listening, you um, you probably can't visualize that card. I, I Well, I don't give you guys very much credit. I couldn't visualize that card is what I should say. Um, but you do know that set. That's the one I talked about in episode 23 with the Mark Jackson Menendez brothers card, which has become very famous since then. Um, and then also the Sam Vincent, Michael Jordan card where he's wearing number 12. Well, now you can dig back through those commons and, and find the Jim Paxson card, right? Which looks like with Carl Malone trailing behind him. All, All right. right. Um, let's hear your number three. Yeah. Number three is, uh, and this is kind of a, an homage to, um, to, you know, vintage uh, cards, I guess you'd say. And it's the 1957 Topps Hot Rod Hundley. So, um, uh, you know, as I kind of started backfilling my collection in the early 80s and 
um, as you've talked about, kind of being aware of what ex-players were broadcasters or coaches or traveling with teams. Uh, Hot Rod Hundley was a fixture for the Jazz as a broadcaster for decades. Um, So um, I I picked up that card and was able to get him to sign it when he was a a Jazz broadcaster. But uh, that card just kind of represents – you know, kind of the early days of the game, right? If you look at the card, even the basketball in the picture looks like almost like a medicine ball or something, right? It just, um, you know, and, and just uh, those cards were also really good to get signed because they, because they had, you know, pretty clean backgrounds and, and that one in particular, and the fact that he signed it hot rod Hundley, you know, was with his nickname, which, you know, was just a perfectly fitting nickname for him. And, um, you know, and also that, that card kind of represents, to me, a lot of players of that era that became basketball lifers. So guys on that set and, and, and they had long, long, long careers in basketball, like Tommy Heinsohn and Bobby Leonard and Bill Sharman, Johnny Kerr. So they were players, coaches, broadcasters, you know, ha- had 50, 60 year careers in basketball. Right. And, mm-hmm. and at the time that they began playing in the fifties, you know, the future of the NBA was in doubt, you know, in terms of how viable is this going to last? Right. And um, it it was really that uncertain at times. So the fact that these guys were able to carve out, you know, 50, 60 year careers. I mean, Bobby Leonard is still a a Pacers commentator, you know, it's amazing. And so hot rod kind of represents all of those guys and, and, and that set in particular of, uh, of kind of the the pioneer era of the NBA. Yeah, I've I've um, mentioned Slick Leonard on here a few times before. I th- I think he just celebrated his sixty sixth wedding anniversary, which we're you know we're not even talking about years being alive. We're talking about years being married, um, and you know he's been in the game that long too, which is is really incredible. Um, you can when we look at Hot Rod Hunley, you can tell he signed a few of these before. Because um, it's really neat how um, the autograph kind of he fits it in. This is going to sound weird, but with with his body parts, whereas like the R is kind of um, fits right with the the crease of his arm, and he lines up the the first and last name with um, with his leg. So it's it's just really cool how he's chosen you know chosen to sign this. Whereas the the card we talked about before, Jim Paxton he chose to kind of circle his around the logo at the bottom. Um, so that's, that's something to think about as well as, is the signature placement. All right. right. Um, so we've, we've got your number three taken care of. Now we're at the top two. What is your um, second best card or your second card that you got on your top 10 list? Sure. And Kyle, you'll appreciate this one because it's from your, uh, your beloved 72 set and it's the tops 72 Don May. And so okay. I knew um, we were going to get a Don May uh, <laughs> shout out at some point here. Right. And well, and he was my boyhood hero. The first player that you know was really my favorite player. He played for the local University of Dayton Flyer team that um, that really was the, the spark, as I mentioned in our uh, previous podcast, when you asked me about the history of my collection and how I got started with this. So so Don was someone that that really was responsible for me loving the game of basketball and, and becoming a fan. And, and then in particular, he had a, a really great college career and, and a long NBA career as well, including a championship ring with the Knicks in 1970. 
Um, although it was never a star player, although averaged 20 a game one year for the Buffalo Braves. So when he got a lot of minutes and got the opportunity, he, you know, he achieved quite well. But this card in particular, uh, and I know, Kyle, you've kind of zeroed in on this set for uh, reasons you've already discussed, but um, it, it just uh, kind of captures the early 70s style, you know, and, and this card in particular with everything from, you know, the, the color of the uniform, that unique green uniform that the Hawks had at the time, uh, May wearing the long socks, wearing the Adidas, you know, the leather Adidas shoes. And, you know, so not the, you know, kind of the more standard Chuck Taylors at the time. So just kind of the colors and pose and everything from this particular shot uh, just kind of captures the early 70s for me. And then Don signed this one right on the sweet spot as well, as you kind of just talked about with Hot Rod. So uh, just kind of everything about this card, uh, I, I think, is really cool. And and it was definitely in the running for my all-time favorite card. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's in the, in the top two. But uh, anyway, I, I just think there's a lot of cool things about this card. And one thing that I um, I will say is Don has been a awesome signer throughout in the mail, uh, at least least from the the time period that I've been sending stuff in. Uh, but you got a really bold signature from him, so that's a great looking card. All right, um, number one. So number one again, it was a tough choice to to zero in on just one particular card, but this one I keep coming back to, and it's the Topps 1969 Earl Monroe. So a okay. um, couple reasons for that. Obviously, Earl of Pearl is an iconic player, Hall of Fame player, you know, basketball legend, and, and one of those guys that just ha having the chance to have, have seen and met him in person a few times as well, just kind of has a certain uh, aura about him um, that that's really cool. And, but, you know, this was the first year I actually bought basketball cards. And so, as we've talked about before, some of the cards from this set are a little funky because there's backwards uniforms and things like that. But this card kind of checks all the boxes in terms of coolness for me, in terms of, you know, it's in this really kind of unique orange colored bullets warm up jacket. Uh, he's got the ball kind of hidden behind his head, kind of, you know, with a, with a little bit of, you know, mysterious sleight of hand, you know, kind of like the way right. Earl, Earl the Pearl played, right? It's it's not mm -hmm. a threat pose like a lot of guys, you know, fundamental pose that guys would have. It's more of a, um, you know, kind of captures the mystique of, of Earl the Pearl a little bit. And um, it's just about as cool as you can get wearing a warm up jacket. Exactly. And, and where else have you seen an orange quite like that, right? The color <laughs> right. is really cool in particular. And I'm sure there's some people out there that are uh, game-worn uh, memorabilia collectors of jerseys and warm-ups and things that I would think some of those early bullets uh, items are, uh, are favored among collectors. The other a quick little story about Earl Monroe too, is I, I kind of talked about the mystique and, uh, and just, he's got a certain way about him as well is at the 2012 Final Four in New Orleans, I was there with my son, and we were at the coach's banquet on the Sunday between the semifinals and finals. And they're honoring players of the year and coaches of the year, and um, they happened to be honoring players that were getting inducted in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, now why Earl the Pearl wasn't in the, the very first class of college guys going into the College Hall of Fame, I, I don't quite understand, because at Winston-Salem, he put up you know, pistol Pete like numbers, but nonetheless, 
Earl the Pearl, who was an older man at the time, of course, was there and was honored. Well, after the uh, the banquet, uh, so to speak, or the, the presentation, there was a uh, kind of a little uh, food and seating area where you could have a bite to eat and you know, kind of a little uh, buffet type dinner. And so I was fortunate to be able to attend this event with my son and, and meet Earl and have him sign a few things, uh, as well as the other guys that they honored that night. Well, as word kind of spreads, and this is at the convention center in New Orleans, word kind of spreads that you know Earl the Pearl is in the building, right? So some of the cooks in the kitchen, um, so these you know older gentlemen in their aprons and you know servers and things like that, you know, kind of the word spread that Earl the Pearl is is in the house, right? And so it was really cool to observe them finding an excuse to come out of the kitchen to maybe check on, uh, you know, what food was there, but they were coming out to, to get a look or to say a quick hello to Earl, like paying homage to him. Right. So, right. so there were a lot of other basketball dignitaries in, in that room, in that building at the time, but there was something about Earl the Pearl that resonated with these guys. And it was so cool to kind of watch from afar to see, almost almost one by one, you know, to kind of come kiss the ring, right? It's Earl the Pearl. Right. You know, and what he meant to a, a lot of, of fans and, and players. So that that I'm getting goosebumps just kind of reminiscing about it. But, uh, you know, I kind of, well, I'll mention that to my son who's 19 now. And, you know, he's well-versed on the history of the game living with me. But I, I said, you know, the cooks in the kitchen, you know, they, they want to come out to see Earl. And he knows what that meant. And, the significance of that. So for reasons like that and, and kind of the effect he had on me and, and that was the first year the basketball cards were available for me to purchase as a, as a younger kid, that card kind of has a special, uh, you know, special meaning to me. And, and also he signed it kind of, you know, in, in a pretty cool spot as well, even though it's kind of sideways, but I, I like where he signed it. And, uh, and that one made the top of my list. You know, and that's what I love about um, talking to collectors. And and this is this is Tim's top ten cards. So no one can tell you you're wrong, right? I had a I had a test question in college once where the professor asks, you know, what do you think about this and so and so, and he counted some of us wrong. And I I kind of stopped him and said, you cannot tell us we're wrong when you're asking us what we think. Right. So there there is nothing wrong about your list. And I love it. Um, I love the personal connections and the personal stories that go with it. Tim, it is always great to talk with you. I have a feeling we're going to be talking again at some point, Um, but I appreciate you taking time out of your day and and really putting this list together. I know that took some time, too. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, Kyle. And it's always fun to kind of relive my memories and favorite things in the hobby with you and the listeners. And hopefully it'll spark others to maybe come up with their top tens and uh, and, and maybe take a deeper look at some of their memories and items in their collection. All right. And just a reminder that people can find you on Twitter um, if they want to see your daily uh, treasures that you posted. What is your Twitter handle again? Uh, it's at Tim Gal 13. So at T I M G A L L one three. All right. So I'll make sure to pass that along to people as well. Um, when I post this, um, and Tim, we'll be talking soon. Thank you very much. Okay, Kyle, take care. 
All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Tim once again for taking time out of his day to come on the show and share his collection with us. That means a lot to me, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. The one thing I like about lists is it's all completely subjective. We all like our cards for different reasons. And maybe there are some of you out there that have been thinking about making a top 10 list of your own. I say go for it. You know, I'd love to see them. And as promised, I'll be posting pictures of Tim's cards that he described in this episode. You can find those at some point throughout the week on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store, tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos, or shop through my Fanatics link and I'll get a small cut. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.